NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hello, listeners. This is NWP Radio, and we are very excited to be interviewing one of our own teacher consultants, Poet T.L. Sanders. Poet, I've um, I've had the opportunity to interview you before on our show in April called The Story of the Poem, where we talked about um, a poem that you'd written and you impacted. It was a beautiful show. We really loved it. And today I have the privilege of talking to you about a new creative project of yours. You've made a movie. Yes. Tell us <laughs> a little movie. bit about that project. Well, um, first of all, when I hear I've made a movie, it's just shocking still. Um, the movie itself came about from these books. And these books were written in this place. Right now, I'm at the Livingston County Library in Chillicothe, Missouri. And I did much of the work for this book. It's called New, the Poetic Screenplay, in this library. Now, um, the film is a prequel to New, the Poetic Screenplay, which basically, the prequel tells the story of Terry Dean. He is what I call a prodigious um, um, felon and a prodigal father mm. who the, the film itself is set in um, a parole board hearing and he is trying to earn his freedom. And there is extended metaphor with that phrase. <laughs> uh, I... I'm gonna come back to ask you a little more about yourself, which is what I was gonna ask you first, but I was so excited about the movie, I jumped right in. But yeah. I think your uh, point about this, the extended metaphor is the thing I wanted to say most about yeah. my viewing of the movie, which is that um, I feel, I hope you don't mind me saying, I feel the viewer can really feel that this movie was made by a poet, that both the language that the characters speak and also in some extended metaphors that come through in language and also in the imagery um, and other visual aspects of this film. So what would the poet want the viewer to know about the role of poetry in this film? Well, first, poetry is center stage. Um, The language itself is prominent and uh, the film is in service to the script, the writing. Um, One figurative language device is illusion. So I am deeply connected to this work. Uh, As mentioned, there is a prodigal father. Now this prodigal father actually is named Terry Dean. And I was not Um, original in a lot of, uh, or unique or creative and even the naming, because my father, his name is Terry Dean. Mm. And my father actually um, died of a heroin overdose Mm. shortly before writing this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally, it was simply a book of poems, right? And these are the poems. So then it became a screenplay that told a story That story came about after I learned that my father died of a heroin overdose in 2018. Um, And 
it's interesting how life gives us seed thoughts. And sometimes we feel like our lives are extraordinary, not extraordinary, but just like extraordinary. But when we look at what life offers, then we see that it's truly extraordinary. So from the events that happened to my father, I penned the book. And then two years later, we created a movie. Um, so there is not only extended metaphor, but deep illusion to my own life mm -hmm. and some of the things that happened um, throughout. Now, poetry is front and center, even throughout the dialogue. Uh, while it may not sound poetic, there are um, <laughs> there is alliteration, there is simile, there's metaphor. And um, throughout the character and plot development, poetic elements are key. Mm -hmm. So should you watch the film, then listen carefully and look at the images because the images are poetic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for example, there is there's a checker game that goes throughout um, the film and there's deep metaphor. Sometimes we say that life is a game, you know, prepare for the game of life from rules to regulations to strategy. And um, if hopefully this is not spoiling the movie, but look deeply just at what the checkerboard looks like, because there are, there is a history with um, scars even on the checkerboard. Mm. Um, so look deeply at that checkerboard and then consider how that checkerboard represents different moves that the characters are making throughout the film. Um, but I can't say enough on as to how this film is first poetry, then a film. Um, yeah. Yeah. As a, um, as a reader and a reader who's got sort of an oral, um, reading, like I, you know, I want to, but some people want to imagine what things look like. I always want to imagine what people's voices sound like or what the, you know, how those lines would be delivered. I, this um, was a real delight to me. And I think um, it may be that partly the English teacher in me, but I would say people will respond to the, to the sound and feel and um, artistry with words in this movie. Yes. And, you know, when I think of some certain parts uh, kind of a sidebar, I play all of the characters. And uh, so when I become Terry Dean, then his intonation, speech patterns, disposition, um, facial expressions, uh, tonality, all of those things impacted the delivery of the particular poem. Uh, this particular character becomes a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, and writing is his way out for him to mm -hmm. see himself, which he sees himself in a way he never thought possible. And he embraces the idea of hope, um, the hope of getting freedom, freedom through forgiveness, forgiveness from his children, right? Mm -hmm. And um, throughout the work, there are three relationships. There is the father-son relationship. Uh, there is the father-felon relationship. And there's the convict counselor relationship. And those three relationships are really pervasive throughout the work. So yes. Yeah, it's, um, so you have sort of anticipated my next question, which is about um, the, the way the movie I felt 
centered um, writing as one tool for a uh, potential tool for growth or change or healing. And I'm, I wondered um, if you want to say anything about that or if um, there's any audience you particularly hope that message speaks to. Absolutely. Um, well, first, we know writing is cathartic, it's therapeutic. Um, and even if we don't publish our work, sometimes just getting our thoughts onto paper and reading our thoughts um, is a healthy way to cope. When we consider, especially the events of COVID-19 and then just consider addiction as a whole, a lot of times people use drugs to cope. When the character Dr. Dennis speaks to uh, Mr. Dean, Mr. Dean didn't have, didn't see himself as coping through writing even though he was a writer, which you'll see that in the, in the work. And his writing becomes intentional as a way to connect with those he loves. Uh, sometimes we write without an audience in mind, or we sometimes we do write with an audience in mind, but our audience generally doesn't include ourselves. Mm. And when we include ourselves in the audience, then we reach out from within, um, mm. if that makes sense. And so that is where his healing begins to take place when he as a writer reaches out from within those hidden places of hurt, um, unmet needs, unresolved issues, um, those are starting to come into the light. And he is able to embrace his shame. Now, if we know anything about shame, that's the one thing that we hide, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he was no longer able to hide his shame and he no longer wanted to hide his shame. And that came about from his writing. Now, genre specific, it was in particular poetry, a uh, kind of a sidebar. Uh, I have a radio show called uh, Catch Up Pedia. And on our radio show, we have a segment. Is it poetry or is it rap? And um, we'll take Shakespeare, right? And we'll take hip hop and we'll say, all right, read a line from Shakespeare, read a line from hip, hip hop. And then you have, people have to guess. You can't tell the difference. Um, That's lovely. Read a song from the I'm Beatles. totally going to tune into this. Yes, yes. You know, read a song, read a line from the Beatles, read a line from hip hop or um, from Robert Frost. And you can't tell the difference because even if it's nonfiction, there is poetic, there, there are poetic elements in nonfiction. And uh, so when we think of this film, this film is poetry first because poetry, I believe, is embedded in all art forms. Nice. So, um, yes, yes. So I want to get to some details, like how can people see the movie, etc. but I wonder if there's anything you want to show us or share with us to whet our appetite. Absolutely. Well, if I may, I would like to show some clips. Yeah. Now, um, this first clip that I'd like to show you um, looks at, um, first I'll show the clip and then we can talk it. How about that? That sounds great. Groovy. All right. It's been a lifelong dream for me to bring poetry to this stage and to be able to say to you that I have at this time my very best friend 
from Penn State University, about to share what I think is an amazing experience with you. Poetry that will bring all of our hearts and minds into focus. Will you please help me welcome, at this moment, Dr. James Dean. smiles, twin laughs. We were twins, separated at birth. My birth. And that is it for that clip. I love that moment. So when we think of where Dr. James Dean is, now kind of a sidebar, Dr. James Dean is prominent in this work. This represents Dr. James Dean's story, um, where he learns of his father's death and then he travels to Kansas City, where he is um, brought into an open mic setting. And at the open mic, he meets people that he never thought he would meet, and they impact and change his life. So prior to that, think of the prequel. Um, the prequel has elements of this screenplay that, you know, the original work. Um, we mentioned that poetry is front and center. That particular piece that we, he was reading was at an open mic. Um, and he was sharing uh, who he is or who he has become as a result of life experiences and the connection that he felt front with his father, even in his father's absence. Nice. Yes, yes. Um, Yes, shall I say more? What uh, do you, sure. Um, now there is later, hopefully we'll have a chance to share some music because mm -hmm. if you heard in the background, um, you, you hear instrumental music kind of uh, supporting the words. Now, as I mentioned, I believe poetry is embedded in everything from even this room. This room, I wrote a piece that is found in this book um, this is a courtroom in the Livingston County Library. Um, and there's a courtroom scene, well, in the writing, in one of the poems in the actual, the original work, the, the prequel. So even in this room, there is poetry. Mm -hmm. In the images, there is poetry. Mm -hmm. And so in the music, there is poetry. Um, and when we move deeper into the interview, then we'll share original music that both is instrumental and it's rap. Mm. Um, and I'll say more about that as we get an opportunity to share that. Nice. All right. So um, do you have one more clip for us? Absolutely. So then that last clip is kind of a part of the opening scene. It's not the the very beginning, but it's the opening scene when we first meet Dr. James Dean and he shares his relationship with his father, okay? Now this next clip looks at the relationship that uh, Terry Dean has as a felon and a father, okay? Uh, if you can kind of remember 
there are three relationships. There is the father-son relationship. There is the father-felon relationship. And there is the, um, there is the convict counselor relationship. All right, so here is that clip. School shoes. It was like a Wednesday, but it felt like a Friday because we got fried that day. Remember his little face. His little face, so sad. Sad, the dude was oppressed. That's why we can't get no love. Cause we don't give no love. Remember the song we wrote? He was in high school. We wrote it with love. You wrote it. And I'm gonna write it again. Man, don't! Yes. And so there we see the father felon relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of the progression of the character, uh, I, I would like to challenge the viewer to figure out which character, the father or the felon, is stronger. Mm -hmm. And which, which one does Terry Dean feel safe? And which one does Terry Dean feel safe? Mm. I, um, I'm really, I, that scene was really, um, powerful to me on my first and apparently second viewing. <laughs> um, it's also, um, I'm going to step outside my response to the movie for a minute and think about my response to the creator, because, um, I, we have made some you know, like instructional videos or videos about NWP before. And when we started doing them, what I realized was how different that was from writing. Like I, uh, you know, I can put words on the paper in order to say something okay sometimes, sometimes even pretty well. But when we got to um, making visual images, I, I was, I just was out of my element. So I wonder, um, this is, your first movie, right? I wonder what you might say to um, writers in the writing project about your um, your move between writing poetry and making a movie and being an actor playing all the roles. Well, I um, first of all, the the writing process is essential in creating a film um, and creating writing. I worked with New Digital Pathways. Um, the cinematographer is named Dennis Day. And he is, he truly became a mentor in this process. And he would say 
that there are three films that you make. You make the written film, the shot or recorded film, and then the edited film. And Mm. each of those are so different because when we would have our conversations, it would be, all right, so this is what the writing says, and this is what the viewer sees. Mm -hmm. How can we communicate what the, the writing on screen? What things do we need to add? What things do we need to remove in order to highlight the writing? So if I were going to say anything to a writer who were interested in making film, then uh, it's all about purpose. For this work, it's to, the, the, the film is in service to the writing. Now, sometimes you may have a film, which hopefully the upcoming films will have more action in them. And so then the action uh, will supersede portions of the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes down to the purpose. And then the other is there are various windows like the, the ear, the eye, um, how do we want the reader or the, the viewer to see the film so we can invite them to, um, or compel them to experience certain aspects of the film? We don't want to force anyone to experience it, but we want to give them the option mm-hmm. or to compel them to experience the movie as intended by the writer. Um, so I am a curriculum director. And when we think of teaching students to um, analyze writing or reading, it's what is the author's intention, author's purpose, right? After making this movie, I had a better understanding of what it means to say, what are the writer's intentions? Mm. Um, Because uh, then we look beyond really ourselves and look at what we see before us in order to analyze truly the intentions of the writer or the writing. And in this case, it's the film. So one, it it comes down to purpose. What is the purpose that we are are setting before ourselves in order to serve the reader and to compel them to experience the film or the writing? So I really am gonna ask you one more question about the film. Absolutely. But before I do, I have to say that I feel like what you just said in speaking to my teacher heart was a really compelling argument for creative writing in school. Because if kids never have an opportunity to write with intention, with their own intention, how can they look at a work made by somebody else and understand, step into those shoes to try to ask, well, what was their intention? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, it, it comes back to the character himself because he grows as he embraces his true intentions for putting words to paper. Yeah. And that's what helps him to grow. Yeah. In a cathartic way, if we're thinking, hey, you're having a tough time, why don't you write about it? That's what would encourage the individual to grow. Yeah. And so, yes, the teacher, you is right on track absolutely so uh one other thing that i know you're interested in talking about and i'm interested in hearing about in this in terms of um you know you talked about these three films then you also talked about these uh windows for the into the um audience or the individual who's experiencing the film and there's um there's music which i don't know where that came in the creative process or how you got to the music, but I would love to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about it. 
Absolutely. Well, and you know, we say the eyes are the, the windows to the soul. I don't know. I mean, the ears, that's what we use to hear music. And if we close our eyes, I remember I was in um, an opera called The Pearl Fishers, and it was with Lyric Opera of Kansas City. And during rehearsals, I would close my eyes on set and just listen to the voices. I mean, and it would touch a part of me that I, I really didn't know was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that's the hope of some of the music embedded in this. So there is original music uh, by um, an artist named Tavius Cujo Phillips and an artist named Jared Tomasino. And that's, that's the clip that we'll show in a moment. And this clip tells even more of the story because Terry Dean, even though he, he becomes a writer um, who discovers who he is meant to be as a, a father and a, a, and a man, he was a writer of music. He was a musician prior to um, becoming um, a writer incarcerated. And the, the, the music is old school because Terry is old school. He's an old school bass player mm-hmm. who loved the groove. And uh, as, as he, he embraces, um, I guess, innovation. So moves from the mindset of this is how, how I will spend my life to the hope and to the future of this is how I wish to spend my life. I, I'm calling that the innovation uh, of self. Um, that music stays old. And when we were creating this music, I, I told the composer that we need to have an old school feel, mm. not the new school rap, because the, the, the genre is rap. I want fairly new school rap, but I need an old school beat. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'd like to share just a clip of the old yeah. school. <clears throat> so that way the listeners can, can, can vibe. Oh, and there's one other thing. So I do play the bass. And the bass line in there is a bass line that I actually had the privilege of creating. So if you are a bass player, then listen, listen to the, to the bass line. <laughs> All right. We came a man without a man, but still want to understand if it's was broken, though I'm doing the course of planning all right and that's how we get that yes <laughs> and did you feel how the old school kind of like did, you know <laughs> yes i was just watching something like about the history of hip-hop or something that yeah. i was like i know this beat yes. that reminds me <laughs> and it seems like when, when we think of hip hop, I mean, it back in the day, it was so focused on, um, it, it was pure. Now it seems that it's driven by money in a lot of ways and it, it misses the story. Uh, in that particular song, we hear the story became a man without a man. All right, so who are they talking about? Are they talking about Terry Dean or are they talking about his son? Yeah. 
And um, it says to fix what's broken, though I'm knowing the cards I'm playing in my hand may not go the way that I plan, mm -hmm. right? Before the needle becomes a sequel, then high as a ceiling fan. And I can't believe I actually remember that because okay. I didn't write that. You know who did write it? My brother wrote it. Oh, <laughs> my brother wrote it. Oh, man. <laughs> my brother, his name is Tavius. And he, I would say, had a harder life than I could ever dream of having. Um, we don't share the same father, but we share the same mother. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I didn't think I was going to start to get a little emotional. It's but... usually me who cries, so it's good <laughs> if I have company. People who watch me on the show a lot will be like, oh, good. It's not Tanya this time. <laughs> well, you definitely have company. Um, so our mother was addicted to crack. Uh -huh. um, for my entire life. And so I was adopted when I was 11 and my brother had to stay there. Uh -huh. He was not adopted. Um, so not only could it be talking about Terry Dean, not only could it be talking about James Dean or myself as well, it could be talking about my brother right? because he had to become a man without a man. Right. Right. And then watching our mother uh, struggle with addiction, it, it was it was hard. Yeah. To say the least. Um, but but the thing is that the, the song is called Catch Ya. And if anybody has a, a forgiving heart, my brother Tavius has a forgiving heart. He. Um, full disclosure, I guess. Um, when he was little, an aunt had to raise him because my mother was going to take his life. Mm -hmm. She was going through depression deeply. And so they had to pick him, they had to come get my brother. And he lived with our aunt for about, I want to say a year and a half, mm -hmm. because my mother knew she would not allow him to live. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that my, my brother was the one who took care of my mother when she was dying of cancer. I mean, talk about a story. And so yeah. then we think of the lyrics that he's composed. Yeah. Um, and he, he doesn't feel like he's a writer, my brother. But when <laughs> well, you, you can listen, tell him, we say he's wrong. I will. <laughs> and he was able to embody the goal of the movie right. perfectly. Um, and that's what I mean by when I say the ear may be the window to the soul, because sometimes our eyes get distracted. Yeah. And if we do close our, our, our eyes and just listen, yeah. like I was doing when I was on the set of the Pearl Fishers, then we can tune out the distractions and actually hear. Yeah. That's one of the things we fail to do. We fail to listen sometimes because we have an agenda. Yeah. Um, or we're waiting for our turn or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so then thinking of extended metaphor, we all get a turn in this life, in this game of life. And that's another component of, of this film. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a checkers game going and the characters are kind of taking turns. And I'm not going to say more about that, but if you do watch the film, 
seek or hopefully you'll look to see how they are taking turns, um, how the dialogue is embedded in this game, in this checkers game. So yeah, whoa, I did not expect to um, go there. <laughs> uh, well, we are really thankful that you're here with us, that you made this beautiful thing, that you're going to share it with us, and that you're being so vulnerable and honest in that sharing. That's beautiful, and we appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about you. I feel like you've issued an invitation to a viewing and also maybe to a conversation in that last. Yes. So let's let's tell people how they could see the movie and then when we could talk about it. Groovy. So your movie is being shown by the Kansas City Fringe Festival. Yes. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and in the silver lining of the world we've lived in over the last year and a half, things that might've only happened face-to-face -face are available to people who maybe can't be in Kansas City for the Fringe Festival and your movie's Absolutely. one of those things. So yes, I we can get tickets and see this premiere of your film, uh, no matter where we are from our homes. Absolutely, yes, yes. So, can you tell people how to do that? And we'll we'll uh, include it in the notes with the show, but um, can you tell us yes. how that works? Well, probably the easiest way will be to go to poettlsanders.com. Um, there, there will be a link after we're, there will be a link um, and you'll click the link and then everything else will be at, the, at your fingertips. That way you're not having to search Fringe Fest <laughs> or um, go to KC Fringe website to find how to um, access my film. So it'll be on poettlsanders.com and it'll be, it'll say um, movie news and then you'll click that and then you'll see where you can purchase the film. Excellent. And then you purchase the film, you watch it in a certain window of time. When is it available and when does it stop being available? So the window is July 18th through August 1st. It will be available July 18th and then August 2nd, no longer available. Got um, it. Yes. Now, our talk back, let's say that you watch the film, then we have a Q&A. That's something else that's possible on July 29th. And I'll host and um, bring and help people bring questions to you, but you will be the star of the show. And um, we, I feel like you've invited us to pay uh, close attention to a number of things, the language and the metaphors and um, a, this checkerboard and who's yes. how do people take turns? I think it would be a great way for us to kick off our conversation on July 29th to have people weigh in about what they noticed about the checkerboard and the turn taking. Absolutely. And of course, any question is fair game. Um, if, if viewers are wondering how personal is this part or that part or this scene, then any question is fair game please ask and um, I will share openly and honestly. That is a generous offer from, uh, from a creator of this beautiful thing. Um, I'm just gonna say this poet with you on with me and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I would say sometimes um, teachers have teacher mindset. And one thing I would say, you are a curriculum director and a poet and a 
bass player apparently <laughs> and a movie maker. Um, I would say this movie in general would not be for children. Right. So right. this is for you adult teachers who are interested in the creative process, you know, not necessarily teachers, people who would be interested in this film for its own sake or um, for, about the creative process and the opportunity to talk to you about it, but they probably don't want to pull up with their younger children. Right. On a Friday definitely, night. Definitely. Absolutely. This is definitely a PG um, parent guidance film um, because one, there is mention of drug use. Yeah. Um, Terry Dean is a heroin addict and all of the things that come about through addiction are present in the film. And then he as well is a felon. Now there is in some cases strong language, which believe it or not, I do not use profanity. Um, and so when my family had seen the clips or they've seen in 2019, this show was live. And when they saw a portion of the live film or a show, then they were shocked to hear some of the profanity mm -hmm. because they had never heard me use anything of the sort. So yes, there is in some cases harsh language. And then there is mention of um, drug use. Maybe that's why it was so surprising to me because I have also talked to you many times. You are a gentle soul. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yes. As always, Poet, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, we will air this interview along with the link to your website where people can get a link to purchase tickets to the movie. And we will um, remind people that we'll come back together on July 29th for a conversation with you about the movie. And right. anything people want to ask you, which was a generous um, yes. offer. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. WP Radio.